Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And this is the High Biz podcast from Hybrid Legal. Thanks for joining us. This is a place where you can soak up some useful knowledge and tips on areas of your business you might not have looked at before. We're here to help you solve those common challenges we all face, answer your legal questions, and share some interesting lessons learned from other successful businesses. If you'd like to get involved with the show and get your questions answered, we have a nice and simple way for you to do just that. Simply leave us a voicemail by calling 0752 568 8472 or send us a voice note on WhatsApp. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to follow us to get all of the latest updates and new episodes. Speaking of which, let's crack on with this one. So this episode is all about intellectual property or IP for short. And we're going to kick off with a question from Laura. Hi guys, my name is Laura and I've got a small coffee shop in London. Sometimes I hear people talk about intellectual property and how it's really important to investors, but I don't know what it is and I'm keen to know if I'm missing a trick. Okay, yeah. So, Laura, thank you so much, first off, uh, for that question. Um, a really, really uh, interesting question there. Um, and for me, Ryan, that sparks off a couple of uh, questions that I think we can throw your way. Um, firstly, uh, does intellectual property apply to a coffee shop? Um, I'm sure it does in some way, shape or form. But also, um, probably a good place to start is, is what is intellectual property um, for us that don't know? Um, and also, uh, why does it matter to people like investors? So I think breaking obviously those two points down, as, as you suggested, if we start with intellectual property and what we actually mean by those two words, if we look at intellectual, that's obviously suggesting something with your mind, something you've, you've thought about, an idea, essentially. And then if we look at property, uh, that's an object um, that belongs to someone. So what we're looking at, so intellectual property is something that you've created with your mind, that particular idea, and then what you've done is you've brought that idea to life, and by bringing that idea to life, it's become a form of property. Uh, and in terms of, you know, is that actually relevant to um, to any business, really? Absolutely, it, it is. And I think when we when we look at different examples of intellectual property, you you have things such as your logo, the name of the business. Uh, there might be a particular piece of innovation in your business um, that might consist of a software product, for example, uh, or even just something that makes your business very different from the crowd. And that something was born out of an idea from you know the founder of the business or somebody else, for that fact. And they've developed it, it's become unique, and it's become very integral to the business. That's what we would call really a form of intellectual property or otherwise IP. IP is the usual way that we refer to it. So is it is it some is intellectual property something you can touch? Can it be something that's tangible or is it just an idea or is it a mixture of both? So it's, it's a mixture of both. And uh, I think what will make it... Um, come to life a bit more is if we look at the types of intellectual property protection available um, so IP rights uh, so you would have heard of copyright patent rights trademark rights and design rights yeah sometimes you see it with like a little R or a TM next to someone's logo for instance yeah that's right so you see symbols and actually 
IP is all around us. I bet, you know, for some of our listeners and even for us in the room today, I look around the room and I can spot loads of different types of IP. Even when you brush your teeth, you look at the back of the the toothpaste that you've used and I can guarantee you, you'll see somewhere that it will say all rights reserved or such and such brand is a registered trademark belonging to this massive pharmaceutical business. Uh, So IP really is everywhere and they use symbols to to alert the public that that is a form of protected intellectual property okay so obviously with laura's example she's got a coffee shop right so i mean what sort of examples of intellectual property might she find in her in her shop so uh, going back really to looking at the different types of rights there are uh, and putting that in the context of a coffee shop if we if we start with patents patents uh, protect inventions you know so if if you've invented something and that invention is new it's, it's not been done by anybody else and it is a really inventive step in your marketplace um and you're you're successful with with obtaining a patent for it you get a monopoly right you get the exclusivity usually for up to 20 years um to you know develop that innovation and sell it as much as you can or license it as much as you can once the 20 years is up that's it and if we look at the coffee industry uh, a great example would be coffee machines themselves so you've got loads of different coffee machines on the market and somebody somewhere would have invented that particular machine there would have been a lot of research and development that would have gone into its creation uh, which has resulted in the final products Um, you know whether that's an espresso machine a different DeLonghi machine or, or something like that and actually a little interesting fact for you uh, so one of the first coffee machines that was ever patented I mean would you be able to guess what year it was patented in Oh, no, uh, 1700s. Okay, so yeah, you're, you're way way off the mark. Well, they're fairly close. So in 1884, um, there was a chap called Angelo Moriondo. I've probably pronounced his second name wrong, but he was, he was granted a patent for a new steam machinery for the economic and instantaneous confection of coffee beverage. That's just a really silly way of saying coffee machine. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, in 1884. Uh, so they've patents for, for these kind of machines have been around for a long time. And obviously the innovation just keeps growing. You can now make a coffee using your phone with Bluetooth technology now. So that does that all make sense so far with patents before we look at in context trademarks and copyright? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and hopefully that sort of resonates with our with our listeners as well. So, yeah, I mean, carry on. Uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff. So, so if we look at trademarks in the context of Laura's business as a coffee shop, so Laura will obviously have a name for her coffee shop uh, that her customers will know her by. Um, and that particular name will distinguish her coffee shop from the likes of Starbucks, from Costa, from Cafe Nero. And and that in itself is a form of IP because at some point Laura or somebody else in the business would have come up with that name Uh, and that name can be protected with a trademark. So you can register a trademark so long as your name isn't too descriptive of what you're doing. It's distinctive, so it's not commonly used in your industry and it's not already trademarked by somebody else. You can protect that name and it gives you the exclusivity to that name. You can stop others from copying that name. And that's important, isn't it? Because that's your brand. Absolutely. That's what that's what your customers know you by. Exactly. So but question for you uh, would be, how would you feel if uh, somebody else used the same name as you, 
in a different part of the UK uh, offering the same services, but they were doing a really poor job of it or a better job for that fact. But Well, yeah, as a business, you would feel like they're almost stealing uh, potential customers away from you. Exactly that. So that's where intellectual property protection comes in. It okay. gives you that legal power to say, actually, that's not right. That's not fair. I've spent a lot of time and investment coming up with this name or this particular products. Uh, I've protected it. I've got the rights to it. Therefore, please stop using it within a certain time frame. If they refuse, if they ignore you, you do have that legal right of recourse to pursue them as well. Is it accessible though, Ryan? So, you know, for smaller businesses, if they want to protect their logo, their brand, um, if they've got a particular product, you know, how accessible is it for even the smallest of businesses? Is it easy for somebody to register um, their intellectual property? Uh, yeah, uh, again, good question. Um, and it really does depend on, on what it is that the business is looking to protect. You know, in some cases, it can be really straightforward. Um, you know, for, for trademarks, as an example, if you've got a really distinctive name that doesn't describe what you do. I mean, famous examples of non-descriptive Oh, yeah, names I, love, I love a good example. Would, would be um, Apple. If I was just to say the word Apple to you, it's a form of fruit, isn't it? But we know that it's a major consumer electronics brand, but it doesn't describe mobile phones. It doesn't describe tablets, sure. does it? It's a completely random name um, for that business. So those are the best names from a trademarking perspective to protect. Um, so coming up with something that doesn't describe it, if you've got a name that's quite descriptive of what you're doing, it's going to be quite tough. Uh, and that's usually where you need professional advice to really step in and advise you on the best way to get around it, if there is a way. But in terms of a good starting point for the business owners out there that haven't really got much of a budget to spend on intellectual property protection, but would like to know more, the UK Intellectual Property Office is a really good starting point. Lots of good, useful guides on there about protecting intellectual property. Um, and also uh, the guys at Hybrid as well um, know their stuff. I'm bound to say that, aren't I? But, uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. So, yeah, what was that again? So that was the Intellectual Property Office. Yeah, so the UK Intellectual Property Office, ipo.gov.uk. And uh, that's a really good starting point for getting to grips with different types of intellectual property. But um, we've obviously talked about patents. We've talked about trademarks. If we look at copyright very quickly. So is this this is the third strand of, that's inter right. of intellectual property. There's technically four strands of intellectual property rights with design rights as well. Okay. But um, if we keep it in the context of the coffee shop, the main three that will apply will be patents, trademarks, and copyright. So if we look at copyright, this is something that you know all of us would have would have heard of at some point in our lives. Um, copyright protects uh, literary work, so thing, things like films books magazines articles and if i look at the coffee shop you know if laura for example has come up with you know quite a unique way of describing um the different blends of her coffee if it's quite unique if she's come up with a really cool website where she's prepared the content for it um that's using her own thought her own skill, her own judgment to come up with that content and therefore she becomes the owner of that copyright. You don't have to register copyright contrary to popular belief. Um, copyright okay. is automatically established once you as the original author has created it um, but it's a double-edged sword because whilst it's obviously very easy to create a copyright piece of work actually uh, without 
you know a register like you have with patents and trademarks uh, it can be quite tricky with copyright so what about if laura's come up with for instance you know a, a, a new coffee it's a you know or, or a new type of hot chocolate and she presents it in a certain way it's got a certain amount of ingredients in it uh, and then the coffee shop down the road essentially uh, brings out exactly the same drink is that a copyright issue or is that is that a trademark or is that a, is that a patent issue what 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 happens there? So, uh, again, really good question. Um, it won't necessarily be a patent-based issue. In fact, I'm almost certain of that. That's going to be really a mix of, firstly, a trademark issue if the rival coffee shop down the road uh, is calling that particular drink the same name as what Laura's given it. Okay. So, you know, for, for trademarks in coffee shops, the different blends, unique blends that they come up with... Um, they can trademark the names of those blends. When it actually comes to um, the the coffee itself, you do have uh, such a thing as plant breeders' rights. You know, so if you've if you've actually grown the coffee yourself, if you farmed it and you've come up with a unique blend, uh, it allows those plant breeders to license out of that particular variety to anyone they desire. Right. Um, so the chances are the ingredients that Laura is using in in her particular blend of hot chocolate and coffee uh, won't be unique ingredients that she's come up with somebody else would have produced those ingredients and supplied her with them sure. but she's obviously mixed them together to create her own unique offering to the public um, so I would say that whilst you know it is quite a nice idea to to try and gain exclusivity over that it is a tricky one. It's a bit like Kentucky Fried Chicken and the secret recipe. You know, anyone can offer fried chicken. You know, we don't know what that magic recipe is that makes KFC so good. We can give it a really good shot. Um, and I would say the same for Laura. Obviously, you have to disclose allergens. You have to disclose what goes into into a coffee um, in terms of ingredients, you know, quite naturally now. So it's not... it's obviously not difficult for a rival to reverse engineer a drink and and sell it i would say the value from an ip perspective will be more in the way that you brand it the way that you sell it and that's really where trademark the name of that particular drink uh, and that i would say is your quickest way of protecting and preventing somebody else from doing it sure so um so for laura then what is the what is the, what is the most important thing she should be looking at what's the key takeaway for for, for laura so, um, the, and this kind of goes back to her other point with investors as well. Um, so I think the key takeaway for Laura, regardless of whether she's later going to be looking at investment in her business or she wants to sell the business later on, as of today, I'd recommend that she looks at the name of her business. You know, is the name capable of being trademarks? If it is, crack on and do that because it lasts for 10 years and you can renew it every 10 years. You never know when somebody's going to pop up and try and copy you, whether that's deliberately or unknowingly. We've seen both examples over the years. Um, but I would say that's a really good starting point. The other starting point as well will be looking at the brand itself. Has she got a distinctive logo that she'd like to protect? Again, I'd look at registering that if it can be. And obviously she can take the right advice there, either from us or whoever else she chooses. Uh, I would also look at things like, you know, domain names. Has she got the domain names for her business? Um, so the website URL, 
are her social media usernames tied down as well? So has she got all of the right accounts for her social media instead of somebody else using it? That can be a problem in the future. Uh, and also a big one that I've not mentioned yet is photography. You know, so so many businesses out there use stock photography uh, and they don't realize that the image that they've purchased only lasts for a year before they have to renew the license or they've managed to copy and paste something online. Yeah, uh, I'm sure lots of people can probably relate to that. Yeah, and that's probably one of the biggest traps that you can fall into um, because actually you're, you're using somebody else's copyright image uh, without permission if you've simply copied it or if you've obtained a license for it just for a year and you've not renewed that license you're now using it without the license so it's just as bad as using it without permission and there are there are certain uh, photography websites that sell these pictures they do have software that can essentially crawl the web um, and to find websites that are using their images and cross-ref that whether or not they've actually got a license so you do have to be a bit careful yeah absolutely so you know a, a quick uh, a quick win there for um, for Laura and and any other businesses listening will be uh, just take stock of all of your photos that you're using not only on your website but any marketing materials or literature on your menus anything like that just be confident that you know where that photo came from if you took it yourself fantastic that's the best kind of image you can get for one where you are the original author the original photographer but if it's come in through a design agency that you've used just make sure that obviously you're aware of the license that that's under because design agencies come and go you may use a different one in a few years time the agency you've used may not exist anymore uh, but you're still left obviously with that particular copyrighted image so just be confident that you know where it's originated from if there's a license in place check the terms of the license some images are just for news and editorial purposes as well so you've got to make sure that you're using it in the right context no that's absolutely brilliant and Laura um, we hope that that's given you um, a bit of insight there um, in terms of that question there is one thing I want to touch on though is the uh, is the investment angle that Laura brought up so Ryan I mean correct me if I'm wrong but um, from what you've told us today um, intellectual property sounds like to me something that sets one business apart from another and if that is the case then I presume that's going to affect the value of that business and therefore from an investment point of view that's obviously going to be of interest because it's potentially going to factor um, or impact the value of that business so I mean can you just talk to us a little bit about how intellectual property and investors go together yeah ma massively so it's do you know what? it's a key thing that an investor will look at um, because when they're investing into your business what they're looking for is aside from obviously do the financials stack up is this an investable business where I'm going to make a good return the market's right for it uh, they'll be looking at the security around their investment as well so if I invest you know what is the risk that somebody else could come in and offer the exact same thing essentially yeah copy that business um, later down copy the line the business that's that's one reason the other reason is am i buying into a business that might be infringing somebody else's intellectual property where it's very Sounds high like risk some hot water there absolutely <laughs> nothing worse than investing in a business and then a year down the line you're sued for intellectual property infringement and you think oh my god that's the investment down the pan and i should have done my due diligence on the founders sure uh, because They've not done any form of intellectual property clearances. They've not secured the IP and actually they're copying somebody else. Um, so actually there's two sides to it from an investor. First is, you know, 
are we buying into a business with some good IP that's protected and locked down because that will have a value as the business grows? Um, and secondly, you know, am I buying into a business that isn't infringing on somebody else's intellectual property? Is it a safe bet from that perspective? Uh, and again, it depends on the type of business. Um, less important, I would say, for you know a, a coffee shop business that may have a chain, a good name, um, but otherwise no innovation other than delivering a good service. IP um, will be fairly light touch. They'll just be looking for key things such as do you own the name um, and have you got your house in order with all of your images, all of your content, does all of the IP sit nice and central to the business and have you done your homework there? If the investor's looking at a tech-based business, then obviously IP is probably one of the biggest drivers of that investment. You know, what kind of protection is available for the software, the coding? You know, how long is that going to last? Who created it? What's the licensing revenue for it? Um, that, that would play a bigger part to the investor's conversation. But I would say regardless, it's important to make sure that you're organised. So I'm hoping all of that's made sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fantastic. I've I, what I've learned in the in the last twenty minutes, uh, Ryan, is nothing short of brilliant. And Laura, um, I hope that sheds a bit of light on your question. And of course, our listeners, we hope you found that useful. I mean, from my uh, side of things, uh, I now know the difference between a patent, um, a trademark, and uh, and copyright, um, and how that can sort of all impact um, investment within a business. So yeah, Ryan, thank you very much for that, and some good examples there too. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for this episode. Make sure you follow our podcast and stay tuned for the next episode. And now for the boring bit. The topics we've discussed on our podcast are usually based on a specific scenario and your circumstances may be different. It's for that reason that you shouldn't take what we say in this podcast as legal advice. If in doubt, always seek your own legal advice for your own circumstances. We just happen to know a brilliant law firm that could do just that. The clue is in the name of this podcast. Music.